Colin. Samir. What did you watch on the way back from New York? Tell you what, I watched three-fourths of licorice pizza. Okay. Oh, you didn't finish it? No. Well, because we were landing and they took our headphones away. It's I'm offensive to start a movie and not finish it. There's nothing I could do about it. They took you my headphones away. Yeah. And yet there were still 20 minutes left in the flight. Mm, Come on, okay. JetBlue. Gripe right. number one. <laughs> Gripe number one. Well, welcome to uh, this episode of Creator Support. This is the show where we will find any creativity out there and lift it up. We'll support it. Wow. The tagline is different every time. Basically, you guys ask us questions. We answer them. On this episode, we are going to talk about our New York trip. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the headlines that have come out of the creator economy this week. And then we're going to answer questions about why we've been delayed on our past couple videos, if the first 24 hours of posting a video matters, and what to do if you're a little too afraid to film yourself on camera. All right, let's get into it. All right, so last night we got back from New York. It was a very quick trip, but a very exciting one. What were we doing there? We were there for YouTube's New Front, which is a presentation basically that YouTube gives to advertisers to explain to them why they should keep spending money on YouTube. And this is something that happens across all of the platforms. They all have their individual presentation where they present to advertisers. We were chosen to be hosts this year for YouTube's New Front. Which was awesome. That was such an honor to be the host uh, of that event. Addison Ray was on our flight out to New York, uh, yeah. which I found out she was a part of Snap's New Front. Okay. Yeah. She was there for Snap's New Front, also the Met Gala, but Snap's New Front. But yeah. probably most excited about the New Front. Yeah. We were basically doing the same thing. Sure. So we got to do that. And a part of that was, you know, first of all, doing something that's a little bit different from, uh, for us, which is like live hosting. You're on stage, very different from being in a studio, you know, being able to, to edit what you say. You have to actually be able to do it uh, one time and do it, do it live. Um, and, you know, we had to memorize a script. It's like it's a whole different process, but I find it to be really fun. Uh, it's very different. We also got to engage with uh, Collins Key, who's a YouTube creator with 23 million subscribers, and Cassie Ho, uh, who's been on the platform for 10 years, over 6 million subscribers, built two eight-figure brands mm-hmm. through her her YouTube channel, Blogilates. Um, I had to do the calculation in my head when she said that, eight figures. I was like, wait, both of them are eight <laughs> figures? <laughs> At a minimum, that's $20 million. Um, so a couple things that we learned during the new front that were really interesting you know, a lot of what YouTube was talking about was being this home for the creator economy and being this the platform that is really at the center of this this new wave of creators. Uh, but historically, YouTube's been around and, and been a part of this creator economy. And, and probably in the future, I would bet that YouTube's still going to be the place that everyone goes to build their career as a creator. I mean, that's where we've done it. But there was a really inter- interesting stat there from TurboTax where they cited that there was a 207% increase in taxpayers referring to themselves as creators. Now, that was taken between the years 2018 and 2020. And what I'm also seeing here is that half of those people filed without a W-2 form, which means that they relied on creator as the primary source of their income. Oh, wow. So that's also oh, wow. indicative of an increase in truly career creators. These are not hobbyists who are making money on the side. Wow. Which is really cool. I thought that was a, that was one of the, the most interesting stats from that I've heard about the creator economy in a long time, that people are referring to themselves as creators, filing their taxes as creators. And that's really interesting that it's not a part-time 
career. We hear so many statistics. You hear 50 million, 200 million, but it's really hard to understand where they're getting those numbers. Yeah. And this to me, I think has been the most interesting number I've heard, even though it doesn't give you the exact number of creators, it speaks to the growth. And when it comes down to running a business, taxes is truly that moment Mm -hmm. when you have to decide, you know, what is your career? What are you doing? So Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. Now, after we finished the new front, which was an amazing experience. We got to be in Google's new office, which is on the pier in in New York. It's crazy. It's massive. Um, After we finished that, our Rolling Stone article came out, which I didn't even know was going to come out that day. Uh, And it was so exciting to see that headline and and to be a part of their initiative around creators. We got to go to the office, the Rolling Stone office later that day and hop on an interview and then also hold the creator's issue in our hand, which was really special to look at that Mr. Beast is on the cover of, of Rolling Stone and that there is an issue called the creator's issue. Yeah, it's this really interesting moment where this legacy media brand that has celebrated mainstream artists for years and years and years is now including creators in that category. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, getting to visit the offices and seeing all the covers over the years. What I didn't realize is that they're not just covering musicians. There are politicians on the cover. Right. There are actors on the cover. And it makes total sense that now creators will be on the cover, starting with Mr. Beast. Yeah, I think it's culture shifters, you know, people who are really impacting the the culture, which is really cool. How did you feel about our, uh, the headline, you know, is really cool about us. And then the subtext calls us elder statesmen of YouTube. You know what? I think it's a really nice way of saying old. It's a very <laughs> articulate way, a beautiful way yeah. to say, hey, these guys don't get it twisted. They're kind of old. <laughs> yeah. I read it and I was kind of like, you know what? We are elder statesmen. I like that title. <laughs> yeah, I think I like that's a too. good title. Yeah. It implies that maybe we have some respect, which it, is nice. It was an awesome article and a real honor to be a part of Rolling Stone and shout out to everyone there. It was a great experience. Uh, and I love that they're going deeper in, in the land of creators and on the, can what? I just read the full headline? Yeah, sure. Read the full headline. Go ahead. They're elder statesmen of YouTube whose mega popular talk show guides creators through the ups and downs of the fast changing industry. That's a great, that's it's just great. awesome. Yeah. That's amazing copy about us. Like that's, that's amazing. That, that, that to me is like such a special moment that, uh, we got covered by Rolling Stone and, and that they are, you know, investing in, in creators. So if you haven't read the article, just search Colin and Samir Rolling Stone, check out the article. Let us know what you think. I'd, I'd love for people to check it out and, and, and read it and uh, poke around with the different coverage that they've done with creators, whether it's Mr. Beast, Bella Porch. They've covered a bunch of creators recently. So some other headlines yeah. that we saw in the last few days, Facebook removing its podcasts, mm-hmm. which was something that, you know, six, eight months ago they were investing heavily in. Mm-hmm. Cameo lays off 87 employees. Mm-hmm. And YouTube actually misses expectations on its ad revenue projections. I think as a whole... We're in this cool down period from the pandemic. Yeah. It, it's happened really fast where all of a sudden the world's opened back up. I mean, we're talking about in the last couple months, we've traveled multiple times to different creator economy events. We've spoken at these events. There's been, you know, in-person activations. Coachella just happened. You're starting to see these these things happen where there's probably less focus on digital content there's less, there's a potential for a little bit less viewership. There's, um, less just overall engagement on these platforms. I would assume 
there's also greater economic forces at play with yeah. the war in Ukraine and the, what's happening with gas prices. Sure. I was on Twitter earlier and I saw Graham Stephan tweet that the U.S. GDP fell by 1.4% in Q1 of 2022, one more quarter of negative growth, and it's technically a recession. That like right. that may be part of it too. Yeah. You know, that ad dollars are going down just because potentially there's a recession coming and people are pulling back on spending. NFTs are also cooling off right now. Right. You know, there's just less spending happening. I think really recognizing that the past two years were, a, were out of character mm-hmm. for everyone, for all creators, everyone to recognize that and think, okay, that was different. Now things are probably going to level out and we're seeing it from these different big companies either reducing their investment into the creator economy or seeing, you know, something like YouTube missing their expectations on ad revenue, like advertisers uh, investing less, which then means platforms are investing less, you know, and someone like Cameo, like they probably saw massive revenue increases during the pandemic. There's nothing else to spend money on except for digital gifts, right? Now we're, you know, buying flights, we're going out to dinner, we're we're having weddings, we're like, people are spending money on other things. I do think, though, the new normal will still be higher than it was before the pandemic. Agreed. But I think that creators need to plan for this. Mm. Like You need to realize and recognize that things are going to be different than they were the past two years. Creators who have been in this for 10 years, I think, can, can see it and can you know, adjust accordingly. But if you grew during the pandemic, you're going to have a bit of a different reality. If you fully came up during the pandemic your reality is going to look different. Yeah, I mean, it's something that we're considering, right? Because we grew a ton in 2020 and 2021. And now it's, you know, something to just take stock of is, are you diversified when it comes to how you make your money? Yeah. Are you making sure that you're continuing to hyper-focus on your audience so that advertisers truly can have confidence in in the audience that you have? As elder statesmen of this platform, (laughs) I would just urge everyone to... uh, to really look at how they're diversifying uh, right now and, and recognize that things might look different over the next two years. Um, all right, let's get into our first question. This one comes from Tohir. Tohir says, uh, you guys delayed two to three videos in the past couple of months. It doesn't bother me as I prefer to see the videos when they're ready. But what happens behind the curtains? What stopped you each time from publishing? I'm sure... Many in your audience would be curious to hear how you guys think about the pre-published process and what goes into making a decision that the video is ready. This is a great question. This is a great question. And these decisions aren't necessarily made, you know, the night before. It's not like Sunday night, we're deciding that it's not going to go out on Monday. This is something that we start to feel Thursday and Friday that we're behind in our process that, you know, in the to take our most recent video as an example, the one about Andrew Callahan, you know, it got to Thursday and Friday and we were still making edits on the flow of the story and what, you know, a role we wanted to put in the video. And I think at that point we know we're too late because we still have to do graphics. We have to do a sound pass an audio pass. And, you know, what this has taught us now is that we have to probably move our production schedule back a little bit. And, film our episodes on Thursdays and Fridays so that we can start the week on Monday, ready to go, watching the cuts, making story edits, and being in a much better place by like Wednesday of our week. So that's getting into kind of specifics, but truly it just comes down to process. Like the process we realize is broken at one point 
And by Thursday or Friday, we make that call that it's not going to be ready for Monday. I think at a high level, the reason why that's happening is because um, similar to what we were just talking about, about how different the creator economy might look over the next couple of years, uh, the world has opened up. You know, not only are we now traveling a lot more, life is also more of a reality. We're good. We're flying to weddings. We're flying to, you know, different places. We have social things going on um, for work. We're, we're flying more than we've flown in a long time uh, for hosting gigs, for meetings, for um, all types of things. So in-person is very much back, which it wasn't over the past couple of years. That allowed us to buckle into a process um, that was pretty consistent. And that consistency has changed. And I don't think we've yet, we talked about this in our team meeting recently, we have not yet adjusted or acknowledged how much the world has changed from even January to now. We've just been basing everything on a process that was built in January or, or December. And the world doesn't look like it looks in January and December. So I think recognizing as a creator um, that everything's going to kind of change every couple of weeks. And that's like an overwhelming reality of being a creator, but it is the reality. As you grow, things are just going to change. You're going to have new opportunities. You're going to have new obligations. You're going to have new things happening. And we are somewhat unique as creators that we have a regular posting schedule. We post every Monday. So to fit the regularity, we're going to have to make some changes. We're going to have to batch produce. We're going to have to um, look at different weeks and plan accordingly. But you know, as of right now, we have to weigh which one is more important, staying on the consistent schedule or putting out the best video possible. And for those specific weeks, we've, we've weighed putting out a better video, um, higher or with more, has more weight than putting it out on the regular schedule. Yeah. The video will live forever. So what's another two days? Yeah. I mean, I think we're, we are, you know, a bit, my opinion on like ritual behavior, For example, like the stuff that I listen to that comes out every Tuesday, if it is adjusted and comes out on Wednesday, I kind of get out of my Mm -hmm. content flow. I think that's specific to audio though. I seldom watch a creator on YouTube Mm. because I know they post on a certain day. I may watch on the day that they release it, but I'm, for me, I'm browse YouTube every day. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know if this is a standard day that a Ryan Trahan video comes out or a Yes Theory video. Mm. Uh, I'm just scrolling, and if a thumbnail catches my eye, I click. I know those days for um, talk shows and podcasts. You know, like I know because they're like audio based. Yeah, but they, sometimes they don't post to the RSS feed at the same time as YouTube. YouTube sometimes is earlier. Um, so, like Impulsive Logan Paul's podcast comes out every Tuesday. Yeah, um, and. That's kind of a visual show because of their their antics, their antics. <laughs> and it I think our show is also a visual show. So I think there are a lot of people who watch it on YouTube as a talk show. Um, and I do think that's an important piece of what we're doing is that there is a ritual behavior to it. Now, I, do that, th- I do think we could commit to the audio version every Monday. Yeah, that might be right. Like, I think no matter what, we could get audio out. Yeah. So the the answer to this question is like, you know, process and we're we're working on it. And I think we need to figure out how to continue to evolve it and figure out how to adjust with the realities of the, the new normal that continues to update itself. And in, in, in every few weeks, there's a different normal. Um, so, yeah, we're working on it. And uh, I think it's it's 
I'm interested to hear the audience's take on this. Like, is has it been, has it kind of thrown you off when we're delayed? According to Tahir, it hasn't, which is nice. Right, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Our next question comes from Denzel. He says, good day, Colin and Samir. Good How, day, Denzel. Good day. Good day or good day? No, good day. Good day. Yeah. Colin and Samir, how crucial are the first 24 hours of a video being published? As someone with a small audience, I have to rely heavily on Facebook and Instagram to begin the momentum of views. I do think there's there's weight to view velocity in the beginning, like when you first put out a video. I do think we've seen that videos that perform really well in the first 24 hours sometimes have a lot of legs. Now, at the same time, we've had videos perform extremely poorly in the first 24 hours. For example, our interview with Binging with Babish performed, uh, I think it was a 9 or a 10 out of 10 in the first 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Today, it's a 1 out of 10. It has almost half a million views. And our Ludwig interview was similar to that. Our Ludwig interview was similar. Our Andrew Schultz interview was similar to that. Yeah. So a lot of our interviews have been like that, where they don't have a ton of velocity um, in the beginning, and they are, they eventually catch up. Now, we have actually changed all of those thumbnails uh, after the first 24 hours. So you know what's important to look at is that you're throwing a video up into a library that's there forever. So you want to make sure that First of all, I think you want to take some pressure off the first 24 hours. But if it doesn't have a lot of velocity in the first 24 hours, it does mean that your audience was not expecting it, not ready for it, not interested. Like there is something about that. Um, But to recognize that it's not just going to be viewed in the first 24 hours, that it is going to be viewed over the next couple years. That's an important thing to recognize. Especially if it's a searchable topic. Yeah. So... Don't worry too much about it. Uh, you know, try and just make the most clickable title and thumbnail the best video possible. And and over time, it will get viewership. However, I will say, if you're collaborating with another creator, make sure you prepare them with any assets that they could use to share the video on the first day that it comes out. Mm-hmm. Because we did run a little bit of a test uh, unintentionally with the Your Mom's House episode. Mm-hmm. The episode was shared by one of the creators on Instagram the first day and then another one of the creators on the second day. And the impact that we found from that first day share was far higher than the second day share. And we think it has to do with the algorithm maybe weighing those first 24 hours a little bit heavier. Yeah. I got a gripe real quick. Oh, it's time for gripes. Yeah, just just the, you know, we've been staying in hotels as we've uh, been traveling. Mm -hmm. And... At a hotel, you have to put in your own Netflix password on a remote where you have to click around and go S, A, M, I. Big time. Can you stop right there? Yeah, okay. It's hurting me <laughs> yeah. to even hear yeah. you do that. Yeah. It's big painful. Time, big time great. It's painful to do it yourself. It's terribly painful. And, and then it, if your email is something long... You're talking five minutes. Now you've ordered your food and your food has arrived. Now you want to watch Netflix. So you pop open Netflix and you're like, oh, I have to do this song and dance. I have to do this. And sometimes you're like, what's my password? I don't know. And they don't have the computer thing where you can go to like Netflix.com slash sign up. Why don't they just have a hotel login? 
I'll where it's take just it. logged in. Couldn't they make more money by selling to hotels? Hotels couldn't make more money. No, no Netflix, Netflix could make more money. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah. Hotels who have 400 rooms. There's got to be some sort of pass that Netflix can sell. Yeah. I guess that would be really expensive for hotels. Figure it out, Netflix. But someone's got to figure this out because it's a real pain in the ass. Take it a step further. Yeah. I was at one hotel. I forgot to log out. Right. And now you got random recommendations. And now I've got random recommendations. People are watching John my Netflix. from Virginia went in and started watching the great British Bake Off on a random episode. Okay. Sounds like you have gripes with and, people named John and, from Virginia and now who watch Great British Bake you're, Off. You're dealing with random recommendations on Netflix. So this question comes from Davis. He says, as a small creator looking at all the creators and aspiring creators is daunting. It makes me wonder if there's room for me to grow to even get big. How do you overcome this thought slash fear? Well, Davis, here's the thing. People are doing it. You know, I think that's the reality. Good storytelling will always win. I think like, you know, it's hard. It is harder than ever right now, but we're watching people do it. I mean, Matthew Beam is a great example of a creator who has just kind of popped up and really has gone, has gone very aggressively into growth and has grown substantially. I mean, over a million subscribers um, has grown to the point of, of, of a real solid creator on, on the platform. I think Arax, another example, a couple of years ago, um, coming onto the platform and really taking it really seriously and going all out. You do have to take bigger swings to make it, but it is possible. Yeah. Something that we've done in the past and that those creators who you just brought up do as well is they study videos that have millions of views and look at the titles and look at the thumbnails and think about how to apply them to the sort of message that they want to tell in and how they want to do it. Right. And I think that's something that Davis, you can do as well is start really studying what are the videos that are getting 10 million views? If, if that's what you want, if you want to be at that level and how are they titled, how are they thumbnailed? Because, you know, to some extent, every creator along their path has to copy other creators, but put their own flair on it to then learn who they really are. Like just by imitating some of the creators that are getting millions of views, you'll end out, end up finding what works for you, what you don't want to do and, and hopefully build some of those muscles to, to get that type of viewership. All right. This question comes from Hamza. Hey, Colin, it's Mir. I'm a digital writer on a website called Medium. Familiar with Medium? Yeah. And I'm not getting the same views as I used to. I know you guys specialize in YouTube slash video based content, but could you suggest some retention strategies for me? So first, I think distribution strategy is probably yeah. what you want. Retention strategy would imply that people have already clicked onto your article, yeah. but they're not making it all the way to the end. I think the the right move is to break up your writing and post it in different places. Think about Twitter. Think about LinkedIn specifically. I think the thing about LinkedIn that's and Twitter both that are really unique is that when someone engages with your content, that person's following gets notified that they've engaged with this piece of content. That happens a lot on LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is a primarily text-based platform. Like people who are winning on LinkedIn um, are writing. So, you know, considering you have a breakdown of why Elon Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion, that feels like pretty good LinkedIn content to me. 
and and figuring out how to take it and and put it into small bits for both Twitter and LinkedIn could actually build your profile as a writer or build traffic to your medium page. Here's some advice that I can't necessarily back up with personal experience. Okay, I love that. <laughs> Unfortunately. But occasionally we've posted videos and found Reddit communities and Reddit threads that are actively interested in the creator or the topic that we're covering, and we will post in those Reddit threads. Once in a blue moon, the Reddit gods will like let our posts go through and be a part of the community because there's like a lot of rules in a Reddit thread. But when that happens, we find that we get a lot of viewership. And sometimes it happens naturally. Our, our Binging with Babish episode found its way to his Reddit community. And that's when it really started picking up in viewership. So, you know, these are communities first on Reddit that are looking for content. And I think that's a great place to, to start. I have no idea how to post on Reddit. That's why I put that caveat in there that like, you know, it's not necessarily from experience, but I have seen it work before. No idea. Like I've tried multiple times. Yeah, I know. It's a great, it's like a gripe of yours, I think. It's not a gripe. It's, it's just like the hottest club you can't get into. It's a fear of mine. It's not a gripe. It's a fear. That you'll never be allowed into Reddit. Yeah. Yeah. You break the self-promotion rule every time. I that, try and sort of ease into it. What do you say? Well, first off, my account, your account probably says like Samir, right? No, it's like, my frog, like a weird, Frogman747. Oh, okay, well, I don't know what to help you with there because my, mine's sort of a nickname. And I think that's that's the first thing that I have right. Have you ever searched Colin and Samir on Reddit? Um, well, I'm on Reddit right now. So. <laughs> All right, let's do it. <laughs> oh, we have a Reddit with 43 members. Whoa, r slash Colin and Samir. A subreddit dedicated to discussing videos created by Colin and Samir and expanding on ideas they bring up. Oh, wow. The Andrew Callahan episode was just posted. What? Really? Oh, my God. This is like a whole thing. Okay, I'm going to join Reddit and join the Colin and Samir Reddit. I'm logging but in right as now. Frogman747. <laughs> I'm going like, to post right now. And what I'm actually I'm I'm somewhat afraid to post on our own Reddit right now. What are uh, the rule what are the rules? What if we get kicked out? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm concerned about. Um all right. Well, okay, well I do have one more gripe. Okay, hit me. And I don't know if this is as much a gripe or an unfortunate reality about life. Okay. But hear me out. I was on the plane and I was taking off my sweatshirt and underneath my sweatshirt, I had a t-shirt and I'm pulling off the sweatshirt mm -hmm. and with it comes the t-shirt. Sure. And then I'm in a very public place Yeah. and I have no shirt on, <laughs> you know? Right. And I don't know if I should have the gripe with the t-shirt or if, it, if I should have the gripe with the sweatshirt that pulled the t-shirt off. No, I think you should have the gripe with yourself. Or is the this gripe is, with myself? Yeah, it's a gripe with yourself because this is a thing that has happened since you were a young kid. But And you should have learned at this point as an elder statesman, tuck in your shirt before you do that. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm gonna. That's, a, that's something that I've been put in too many precarious situations where I'm left without a shirt on by accident. And then your shirt's inside out in the sweater and you have to pull it off and people have to watch you do this while you put... You reapply your shirt, basically. Uh, yeah, while well, your hair's all messed it's up. A, it's a complete It's really mess. unflattering. Super unflattering. It's like taking off a wetsuit. Yeah. It's, it's well, terrible. No, nothing's more unflattering yeah, nothing than taking off a wetsuit. But I think maybe my gripe is with inventors, You're, that no one's invented a, a buckle to, but to, to, to <laughs> keep the shirt. Oh, you know what that is? Suspenders. I just need to wear suspenders. <laughs> no, no, no. That's if not I wear suspenders, suspenders. That's not suspenders. If I wear way. suspenders, I, I then like, it keeps the shirt down yeah, and I, I can take the sweatshirt off. I like what you're talking about. I think that sounds like a job for unnecessary inventions. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's a good idea. 
All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Creator Support. Uh, if you have more questions, subscribe to our newsletter, The Publish Press, and there'll be a link in there where you can click submit a question. And we do answer these questions every Sunday on The Publish Press. Uh, if you're not subscribed there, what are you doing? Subscribe to The Publish Press. All right. We'll see you back here on Monday, unless we're delayed which hopefully we won't be <laughs> for another. Oh no, we won't. We're taking a break next week. Yeah. We're taking a break next week. So oh, we're, yeah. So that's actually one of the things that we're doing to uh, catch up, get back on schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're taking a break next week to shoot episodes so that we're caught up. So actually we won't see you back on Monday, but we'll see you next week for creator support. All right. Thanks for listening. Bro.